Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, everybody. So happy to have you here with me today. Yep, yep. Uh, this is our Merry Christmas Daily Journal traditional show on Christmas Eve. And yes, I am live. Live with my blingy, my my lights that I got in St. Augustine. Very excited to have everybody here with me. Yes, Ken, we are live today. Look at all these wonderful people in the chat room. The suburbs of Chicago. God bless America. Merry Christmas to all. So happy to have people with us all over the country. Thank you, Heath. Make sure we give a thumbs up all around. Uh, this is our Christmas Eve special. I know there will be people tuning in live now, but we'll have people tuning in uh, for the next three days for our Christmas Eve special. This is something that we do every year. Uh, sit down in front of the fireplace, play for your family, uh, history, and celebration of Christmas Eve in America. And this is something that we do here every year at the Daily Journal and so I wanted to start off by talking about the Christmas Day, okay? So just imagine Christmas Eve. George Washington is planning a battle for the very next day. The soldiers on the front, they are cold, Provisions are slight. George Washington writes about the spirits being particularly low. They're away from home on Christmas and about to battle the Hessians on Christmas Day. So today, George Washington is meeting with his command, organizing a battle, organizing the troops organizing for what could be the biggest victory or the last defeat. And so with that in mind, we'll go ahead and move forward to Christmas Day. Now, on December 19th, Thomas Paine has published The American Crisis, Volume 1. And on Christmas Day, George Washington commanded that this freshly printed pamphlet be read aloud to his, as he put it, dispirited men. And reciting Thomas Paine's words had the exact effect that George Washington was hopeful. They mustered their remaining hopes for victory and crossed the icy Delaware to defeat the hungover Hessians on Christmas night. And on January 2nd, the British, British's best general, Earl Cornwallis, at the Battle of Princeton. With victory in New Jersey, Washington won not only two battles, but the love and thanks of every liberty-loving American. So by tradition, we're going to read Thomas Paine's American Crisis. Let me give you a few facts about 
the uh, Washington's crossing the Delaware. We got 10, 10 fun facts about Washington's crossing the Delaware that I will share with you from the mountvernon.org page. So we can go through them together. I'll have that up there for you. Washington crosses the Delaware River so that his army could attack an isolated garrison of Hessian troops located at Trenton, New Jersey. So why were Washington and his bedraggled Continental Army trying to cross an ice-choked Delaware River on cold on a cold winter's night? Christmas, by the way. It wasn't just to get to the other side, Mount Vernon says. Washington's aim was to conduct a surprise attack upon a Hessian garrison of roughly 1,400 soldiers located in and around Trenton, New Jersey. Washington had hoped that a quick victory at Trenton would bolster sagging morale in his army and encourage more men to join the ranks of the Continentals come the new year. After several councils of war, General George Washington set the date for crossing the river for Christmas night 1776. Washington's attack plan included three separate river crossings, but only made it, uh, but only one made it across. So George Washington's plan at, uh, of attack included three different crossings of the Delaware River on Christmas night. Colonel Cadwallader, Cadwallader, excuse me, was to lead his force of 1,200 Philadelphia militia and 600 Continental across the river to near Burlington, New Jersey. His role was to harass and prevent the British and the Hessians unit near the town from racing to north to the support the Hessians at Trenton. General James Ewing's force of 800 Pennsylvania militia was to cross the river at Trenton and take up defensive positions along the, uh, you know, the something river and bridge. <laughs> I should practice spelling these things. So uh, a some pink, a some pink. Somebody help me there in the chat room. All right. So Ewing's soldiers would work to prevent the Hessians from retreating from Trenton. And Washington and his 2,400 soldiers would cross at McConkie's and Johnson's Ferry, roughly 10 miles north of Trenton, and would march down Trenton to surprise the garrison at dawn. This was an ambitious plan, one that even well-rested and experienced troops would have difficulty in executing. Both Cadwallader and Ewing's forces were unable to cross the ice-choked river, and Washington's main force managed a crossing but was more than three hours delayed. Here's the map. The plan of operations of General Washington against the King's troops in New Jersey. The 26th of December, 1776, and the 2nd of January, 1777. How amazing is this? You know, like I said, when you read... Uh, David McCullough, 1776, you get an indication of just how amazing and miraculous this whole thing was. Spies and deserters had informed the British and the Hessians that Trenton was likely to be attacked. Lurking within Washington's headquarter was a British spy who has never been identified. 
The spy was privy to early deliberations of Washington's War Council and correctly passed along to British Major General James Grant that Washington's army was looking to attack north of the river. Grant passed along this information to General Leslie and Colonel Von Donop, who then passed it along to Colonel Johann Rall at Trenton. And while Grant stated that he did not think Washington would attack, he did command Rall to be vigilant. Rall acknowledged receipt of this important intelligence about the same time that Washington was beginning his crossing. With typical Hessian bravado, Rall dismissed or even welcomed the threat, stating, quote, let them come. Why defenses? We will go at them with the bayonet, end quote. The day before, Rall had received two American deserters who had crossed the river and told the Hessians that the American army was ready to move. Other loyalists informed the Hessians that the attack was imminent. So why wasn't Rall more active in opposing the crossing or better prepared to defend the town? History records that a series of false alarms and the growing storm had given the Hessians' defenders a sense that no attack was likely at this night. How, many hist how, how might history have changed if the Hessians responded differently to all this intelligence? So there are uh, seven more facts here at mountvernon.org that this is just simply a, an amazing story. As I mentioned to you before, the... Uh, Weather was a huge reason why the commanders did not think that Washington would be attacking. It was a huge storm that actually stopped one third of Washington's troops. And because of that storm, he only needed one third of his troops. So he used a collection of cargo boats and ferries to transport the men across the Delaware. So you have that that painting of Washington crossing the Delaware. You have to understand that there were a whole lot more people crossing than just simply those in that boat. But, you know, there was nobody there taking photographs and posting them on Instagram at the time. So we do what we do to remember things accurately. The crossing was made worse by the arrival of strong storm that brought freezing rain, snow, and terrifying winds. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how bad it was? One soldier in Washington's troops recorded that, the, that it blew a perfect hurricane. Pretty sure they would be calling that a nor'easter today. But um, it was behind schedule. And Washington even contemplated uh, suspending the whole battle. But because of the storm, because they were behind schedule, there were false alarms and everybody was caught off guard. The Delaware River is less than 300 yards wide at the point where the army crossed. But it was so full of ice and the wind and the storm was so bad that uh, it really, really uh, made those 300 war yards amazing. Let me go ahead and, and share that with you again. Here's the painting. And you can see kind of the idea of the storm, but 
the painting is a little bit inaccurate considering there is there is sun over here. Uh, no, it was after midnight and it was very dark and the storm was very bad. Uh, oh, Asin Pink. Thank you, Baltimore to Holland. Asin Pink. I should have known some of my my locals there would be able to. Hasin Pink. Very good. Thank you very much. Donovan Jewett leading the way with the super chat of the day. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Somebody's been spiking Donovan's eggnog, who's getting an early start on the Christmas festivities. We are actually going to be in church this evening for our River at Tampa Church Christmas Eve special. So that's why we started a tiny bit early so that we could get to church and spend time with family. Tomorrow, remember, we will not be on the air tomorrow because tomorrow is Christmas Day. And our special show today is supposed to be for uh, these two days. Sit around the fire, learn this history, the foundation of America. So how about I just go ahead and put up here for those of you who are watching, Thomas Paine's American Crisis. And for those of you who are listening, we're going to do our traditional reading of Thomas Paine's The American Crisis. Remember, George Washington ordered that this be read to his troops to encourage the troops in their battle, in their perseverance for liberty in America. You know, listening to the news, watching headlines is a requirement for what JC and I do. But I've come to realize that a daily diet of this is hazardous to our health. And this never-ending caustic supply of drama and crisis is not healthy for the body or for the soul. Sometimes it makes me want to cry out as the song says, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Where is that? JC and I were listening to the CNN tapes from Project Veritas today. More news, more lies, more manipulation. But there have been many men in this battle for liberty who have succumbed to overwhelming negativity of the media invented reality leaving behind the battle to search for the, quote, normal life. So you and I, we must guard against this intrusion and obstruction to the defense of liberty. And I'm convinced the ever-continuing crisis after crisis is purposed to dishearten the patriot and discourage the fight. So what's the solution? We must learn to find our hope and center ourselves on true reality, not the one contrived by those receiving their marching orders from Alinsky, Cloward, Piven, CNN, MSNBC. We must know that just as we have inherited the liberty we enjoy, we have also inherited the enemies of liberty. So we must pick up the mantle of those who came before us and learn from their courage and resolve. We will be either sunshine patriots or true victors of liberty. Our history is rich with men and women who have surrendered all so that many could have the greatest nation the world has ever known. Thomas Paine 
published on December 23rd, 1776. These words, the crisis. George Washington read them to his troops in hopes that they would encourage. I read them to you now in hopes they will encourage you as well. The Crisis by Thomas Paine. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Britain, with an army to enforce her tyranny, has declared that she has a right not only to tax, but to bind us all in all cases whatsoever. And if being bound in that manner is not slavery, then is there not such a thing as slavery upon earth? Even the expression is impious. For so unlimited a power can belong only to God. Whether the independence of the continent was, soon, was declared too soon or delayed too long, I will not now enter into as an argument. My own simple opinion is that had it been eight months earlier, it would have been much better. We did not make a proper use of last winter, neither could we, while we were in a de dependent state. However, the fault, if, if it were one, was all our own. We have none to blame but ourselves. But no great deal is lost yet. All that Howe has been doing for this month past is rather a ravage than a conquest, which the spirit of the Jerseys a year ago would have quickly repulsed, and at which time a little resolution would soon recover. I have as little superstition in me as any man living, but my secret opinion has ever been, and still is, that God Almighty will not give up a people to military destruction or leave them unsupported to perish, who have so earnestly and so repeatedly sought to avoid the calamities of war by every decent method which wisdom could invent. Neither have I so much of the infidel in me as to suppose that he, meaning God, has relinquished the government of the world and has given us up to the care of devils. And as I do not, I cannot see on which grounds the king of Britain can look upon the heavens for help against us. A common marauder, a highwayman, or a housebreaker has, a, has as good a pretense as he. Tis surprising to see how rapidly a panic will sometimes run through a country, and all nations and ages have been subject to them. Britain has trembled like an ague at the report of a French fleet of flat-bottom boats, and in the 14th, 15th century, the whole English army, after ravaging the kingdom of France, 
was driven back like men petrified with fear. And this brave exploit was performed by a few broken forces collected and headed by a woman, Joan of Arc. Would the heaven might inspire some Jersey maid to spirit up her countrymen and save her fellows, her fair fellow sufferers from ravage and ravishment. Yet panics, in some cases, have their uses. They produce as much good as hurt. Their duration is always short. The mind soon grows through them and acquires a firmer habit than before. But their peculiar advantage is that they are touchstones of sincerity and hypocrisy and bring things and men to light, which might have otherwise lain forever undiscovered. In fact, they have the same effect on secret traitors, which an imaginary apparition would have upon a private murderer. They sift out the hidden thoughts of man and hold them up in public to the world. Many a disguised Tory has lately shown his head that shall penitentially solemnize with curses the day on which Howe arrived in the Delaware. As I was with the troops in Fort Lee and marched with them to the edge of Pennsylvania, I am well acquainted with many circumstances which those who live at a distance know but a little or nothing of. Our situation was exceedingly cramped, the place being a narrow neck of land between the North River and the Hackensack. Our force was inconsiderable, not being one-fourth so great as Howe could bring us against us. We had no army at hand to have relieved the garrison had we shut ourselves up and stood our defense. Our ammunition, light artillery, and the best part of our stores had been removed on the apprehension that Howe would endeavor to penetrate the Jerseys, in which case Fort Lee could be no, of no use to us. For it must occur to every thinking man, whether, it, whether in the army or not, that these kind of field forts are only for temporary purposes and last in, no use, in, in use no longer than the enemy directs his force against the particular object for which such forts are raised to defend. Such was our situation and condition in Fort Lee on the morning of the 20th of November, when an officer arrived with information that the enemy with 200 boats had landed about seven miles above. Major General Green, who, was command, who commanded the garrison, immediately ordered them under arms and sent express to General Washington at the town of Hackensack, distant by the way of the ferry, six miles. Our first object was to secure the bridge over Hackensack, which laid upon the river between the enemy and us, about six miles from us and three from them. General Washington arrived in about three quarters of an hour and marched at the head of the troops towards the bridge, which place I expected we should have had brush for. However, they did not choose to dispute with us, and the greatest part of our troops went over the bridge, the rest over the ferry, except some which passed at a mill on a small creek between the bridge and a ferry and made their way through some marshy grounds upon the town of Hackensack and there passed the river. We brought off so much we brought off as much baggage as the wagons could contain. The rest was lost. 
The simple object was to bring off the garrison and march them on until they could be strengthened by the Jersey or Pennsylvania militia so as to be enabled to make a stand. We stayed four days at Newark, collected our outpost with some of the Jersey militia, and marched out twice to meet the enemy. On being informed that they were advancing, though numbers were greatly inferior to at theirs. How, in my little opinion, committed a great error in generalship in not throwing a body of forces off from Staten Island through Amboy, which means he might have seized all of our stores at Brunswick and intercepted our march into Pennsylvania. But if we believe the power of hell to be limited, we must likewise believe that their agents are under some providential control. I shall, not, uh, I shall not now attempt to give all the particulars of our retreat to the Delaware. Suffice it for the present to say that both officers and men, though greatly harassed and fatigued, frequently without rest, covering or provision, the inevitable consequences of a long retreat bore it with a manly and martial spirit. All their wishes centered in one, which was that the country would turn out and help them drive the enemy back. Voltaire has remarked that the ki that King William never appeared to full advantage, but in difficulties and inaction. The same remark may be made of General Washington, for the character fits him. There is a natural firmness in some minds which cannot be unlocked by trifles, but which, when unlocked, discovers a cabinet of fortitude, and I reckon it among those kind of public blessings that we do not immediately see that God hath blessed him with uninterrupted health and hath given him a mind that can even flourish upon care. I shall conclude this paper with some miscellaneous mark, remark on the state of our affairs and shall begin with asking the following question. Why is it that the enemy have left the New England provinces and made these middle ones the seat of war? The answer is easy. New England is not infested with Tories as we are. I've been tender in raising the cry against these men and used numberless arguments to show them, show them their danger, but it will not do to sacrifice a world either to their folly or to their baseness. The period is now arrived in which either they or we must change our sentiments or one or both must fall. And what is a Tory? Good God, what is he? I should not be afraid to go with a hundred Whigs against a thousand Tories were they to attempt to get into arms. Every Tory is a coward. For servile, slavish, self-interested fear is the foundation of Toryism. And a man under such influence, though he may be cruel, can never be brave." But before the line of irrecoverable separation be drawn between us, let us reason the matter together. Your conduct is an invitation to the enemy, yet not one in the thousand of you have a, has heart enough to join him. How is as much deceived by you as the American cause is injured by you? He expects you will take up arms and flock to his standard with muskets on your shoulders. Your opinions are of no use to him unless you support him personally, for it is soldiers and not Tories that he wants. 
I once fell all that, felt all that kind of anger which a man ought to feel against the mean principles that are held by the Tories. A noted one who kept a tavern at Amboy was standing at his door with as pretty a child in his hand, about eight or nine years old, as ever I saw. And after speaking his mind as freely as he thought was prudent, finished with his unfatherly expression. Well, give me peace in my day. Not a man lives on the continent, but fully believes that a separation some time or another fi must finally take place. And a generous parent should have said, if there must be trouble, let it be in my day so that my child may have peace. And this single reflection, a well-applied, is sufficient to awaken every man to duty. Not a place upon the earth be so happy as America. Her situation is remote from all the wrangling of the world, and she has nothing to do but trade with them. A man can distinguish himself between temper and principle, and I am as confident as I am that God governs the world, that America will never be happy till she gets clear of foreign dominion. Wars without ceasing will break out through till that period arrives, and the continent must be in the end, must in the end be conqueror. For Though the flame of liberty may sometimes cease to shine, the coal can never expire. I want to read that again. A man can distinguish himself between temper and principle, and I am as confident as I am that God governs the world, that America will never be happy till she gets clear of foreign dominion. Wars without ceasing will break out till that period arrives. And the continent must, in the end, be conqueror. For though the flame of liberty may sometimes cease to shine, the coal can never expire. America did not, nor does not, want force. But she wanted a proper application of that force. Wisdom is not the purchase of a day. And it is no wonder that we should err at the first setting it off. From an excuse of tenderness, we were unwilling to raise an army and trusted our cause to the temporary defense of a well-meaning militia. A summer's experience has now taught us better. Yet with the those troops, while they were collected, were, we were able to set bounds to the progress of the enemy and, thank God, they are again assembling. As I always consider militia as the best troops in the world for sudden exertion, but they will not do for long campaign. How, it is probable, will make an attempt on this city of Philadelphia. Should he fail on this side of the Delaware, he is ruined. If he succeeds, our cause is not ruined. He stakes all on his side against a part of ours, admitting he succeeds. The consequence will be that armies from both ends of the continent will march to assist their suffering friends in the middle states, where he cannot go everywhere. It is impossible. I consider Howe as the greatest enemy the Tories have. He is bringing a war into their country, which, had it not been for him and partly for themselves, they had been clear of. 
Should he now be expelled? I wish with all the devotion of a Christian that the names of Whig and Tory may never be more mentioned. But should the Tories give him encouragement to come or assistance if he come, as I sincerely wish that our next year's army may may expel them from the continent and the Congress appropriate their possessions to the relief of those who have long, who have suffered in well-doing. A single successful battle next year will settle the whole. America could carry on a two years war by the confiscation of the property of disaffected persons and be made happy by their expulsion. Say not that this is revenge. Call it rather the soft resentment of a suffering people who, having no object in view but the good of all, have staked their own all upon a seemingly doubtful event. Yet it is folly to argue against determined hardness. Eloquence may strike the ear, and the language of of sorrow draw forth the tear of compassion. But nothing can reach the heart that is sealed with prejudice. Quitting this class of men, I turn with the warm ardor of a friend to those who have nobly stood and are yet determined to stand the matter out. I call not upon a few, but upon all. Not on this state or that state, but on every state. Up and help us. Lay your shoulders to the wheel. Better have too much force than too little when so great an object is at stake. Let it be told to the future world that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet and to repulse it. Say not that thousands are gone. Turn out your tens of thousands. Throw not your burden of the day upon providence, but show your faith by works that God may bless you. It matters not where you live or what rank of life you hold. The evil or the blessing will reach you all. The far and the near, the home counties and the back, the rich and the poor will suffer or rejoice alike. The heart that feels not now is dead. The blood of his children will curse his cowardice, who shrinks back at a time when a little might have saved the whole and made them happy. I love the man that can smile in trouble, that can gather strength from distress and grow brave by reflection. Tis the business of little minds to shrink, but he whose heart is firm, whose conscience approves his conduct, will pursue his principles unto death. My own line of reasoning is to myself as straight and clear as a ray of light. Not all treasures of the world, so far as I believe, could have induced me to support an offensive war, for I think it murder. But if a thief breaks into my house, burns and destroys my property, and kills or threatens to kill me or those that are in it, and to bind me in all cases whatsoever to his absolute will, am I to suffer it? What signifies it to me whether he he who does it is a king or a common man, my countrymen or not my countrymen, whether it be done by an individual villain or an army of them. If we reason to the root of things, we shall find no difference. 
Neither can any just cause be assigned why we should punish in the one case or pardon in the other. Let them call me a rebel and welcome. I feel no concern from it. But I should suffer the misery of devils where I would where where I to make a whore of my soul by swearing allegiance to one whose character is that of a sottish, stupid, stubborn, worthless, brutish man. I conceive likewise a horrid idea in receiving mercy from a being who at the last day shall be shrieking to the rocks and mountains to cover him and fleeing with terror from the orphan, the widow, and the slain of America. There are cases which cannot be overdone by language, and this is one of them. There are persons, too, who see not the full extent of the evil which, want, which threatens them. They solace themselves with hopes that the enemy, if he succeed, will be merciful. It is the madness of folly to expect mercy from those who have refused to do justice, and even mercy where, it con where conquest is the object is the only trick of war. And the cunning of the fox is as murderous as the violence of the wolf. And we ought to guard equally against both. Howe's first objective is, partly by threats and partly by promise, to terrify or seduce the people to deliver up their arms and receive mercy. The ministry recommended the same plan to Gage. And this is what the Tories call making their peace a peace which all, passeth all understanding indeed, a peace which would be inter, in, intermediate forerunner of a worse ruin than any we have yet thought of. Ye men of Pennsylvania, do you reason up on these things? Were the back countries to give up their arms, they would fall an easy prey to the Indians who are all armed. This perhaps is what some, story, one, some Tories would not be sorry for. Were the home counties to deliver up their arms, they would be exposed to the resentment of the back counties, who would then have it in their power to chastise their defection at pleasure. And were any one state to give up arms, that state must be garrisoned by all Howe's army of Britons and Hessians to preserve it from the anger of the rest. Mutual fear is the principal link in the chain of mutual love, and woe be to the state that breaks the compact. How is mercifully inviting you to barbarous destruction. And men must either be rogues or fools that will not see it. I dwell not upon the vapors of imagination. I bring reason to your ears, and in the language as plain as ABC, hold up the truth to your eyes. I thank God that I fear not. I see no real cause for fear. I know our situation well, and I can see the way out of it. While our army was collected, how dared not to risk a battle. And, is, and it is no credit to him that he decamped from the White Plains and waited a mean opportunity to ravage the defenseless, defenseless, defenselessness jerseys. But it is a great credit to us that with a handful of men, we sustained an orderly retreat for near a hundred miles, brought off our ammunition, all our field pieces, the greatest part of our stores, and had four rivers to pass. 
None can say that our retreat was precipitated for we were near three weeks in performing it that the country might have time to come in. Twice we marched back to meet the army and remained out till dark. The sign, the sign of fear was not seen in our camp and had not some of the cowardly and disaffected inhabitants spread false alarms throughout the country. The jerseys had never been ravished. Once more, we were again collected and collecting. Our new army at both ends of the continent is recruiting. And we shall be able to open the campaign with the next campaign with 60,000 well-armed, clothed men. This is our situation. And who will may know it? By perseverance and fortitude, we have the prospect of a glorious issue. By cowardice and submission, the sad choice of a variety of evils, a ravaged country, a depopulated city, habitations without safety, slavery without hope, our homes turned into barracks and body houses for the Hessians, and a future race to provide for whose fathers we shall doubt of. Look on this picture and weep over it. And if there yet remains one thoughtless wretch who believes it not, let him suffer it unlamented. And here we are in the days of the times that try men's souls. Remembering history and the victories that we held is important. But I think more important than the victories themselves are the pains that it took to achieve them. We glorify these days sometimes in thinking that this was just a walk in the park. And yet it was not. It is a time that tries men's souls. But as Payne so eloquently said, what we attain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is only dearness that gives everything its value. And heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its good goods. It would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Thank you so much for joining us this year in this crazy, chaotic 2020. But we must know that the hope of America's future rests in the same place it's always been. Our hope rests in the future and the knowledge that God is with us that God is the author and creator of our liberty. And when we stand with the gifts that God has given us, we cannot be defeated. The same promise that belonged to our founders belongs to us today. We must simply place our trust in the right place. Here at the Hall family, our hope is not in Congress. Our hope is not in Donald Trump. It's not in an election or any government. In this holy season, let us not forget that through the shed blood of Christ, whether the victory is on the battlefield or through the gates of heaven, gates of heaven we are winners either way. This is the real hope, that hope that changed the world.
God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your super chats, for all your encouragement today. Thank you for a great year in liberty. 2021 is going to be even better. We will see you again on Monday. God bless.